This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Great to see you for our latest news review. And we have a a brand new guest with us before, with us today, and that is Dick Delingpole. Dick, thank you so much for your time today. You're most welcome. Great to have you on, and people can obviously follow you. There is your Twitter handle. Let me bring up your Twitter profile. Um, and there's a lot of things there. Wake, artist, skeptic, Christian, uh, occasional historical French soldier. 1815, 1917, 1940. And of course, behind you, uh, we have a lot of military uh, hats, helmets. Um, can you maybe introduce yourself before we jump into the stories? Because you're probably not known at all to our US audience. So take a moment, introduce yourself, Dick. Okay, so um, I'm Dick Dellingpole. I'm possibly best known as James Dellingpole's brother. He is clearly the more famous of the two of us. But uh, over the last three years or so, I've kind of got uh, an identity in my own right. I I do a lot of guesting on his podcast and on others. Um, I I have a normie job. I'm a um, a graphic designer by day. Uh, I did the whole art college thing, so I'm a painter. Um, I'm a military obsessive. I've never been in the army or anything, but I, I love my military history. And as such, I do a lot of reenactments, and my particular uh, niche being French, bizarrely. Um, so I have to take a lot of stick for that, you know, jokes about white flags, etc., etc. But uh, the, my, my three current ones are French, World War One. World War Two and Napoleonic. And that's why you see so many hats and helmets behind you. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a man who wears a lot of hats. <laughs> well, it's uh, always good to someone on who does, I mean, obviously the um, graphic design, but the, the military background, that's something maybe quite unique. I mean, how does that, how does that work out is it collections is it going to events is it just your personal interest in reading and learning yourself the, the whole thing kicked off when i moved to worcester um in the uk of course and uh i moved there in 2001 it happens to be where i was born but i went to see a reenactment of the battle of worcester which was the final battle of the english civil war Six, 1651 it took place and oliver cromwell beat king charles ii basically and it ended the civil war but it took place in my hometown and i went to see a reenactment of it and it's all muskets and pikes and what what the general public know as roundheads and cavaliers and uh, i watched this battle and i thought well it's spectacular but it looks like they're having a lot more fun than the audience. And much to my wife's horror, within six months, I'd signed up and uh, I was a parliamentarian pikeman. For that would be that one there. And um, I've never looked back since. And I've moved on to so many other periods and nationalities. I, I just found in it a hobby that was complete escapism. You go away for a weekend, you're, you're under canvas, you're... Uh, eating from a, a campfire 
brewing coffee from a, a rusty old kettle hung over the fire. It is a perfect escape for those of us who don't particularly like everything about the 21st century. But I, I have a, a keen interest in all things historical. Uh, it, it's a bit of escapism. It's a bit of a, a, a boy who never grew up, never, never stopped wanting to play soldiers. And the realization that as an adult, you can legitimately carry on playing soldiers, but you've got a little bit more money to throw out your hobby. So you can, you can have that real um, vintage French label rifle that you'd always wanted. And you, you can have the, the pucker uniforms and people will even pay you occasionally to run around in a field shooting at each other. So it's a pretty good hobby. Well, let's jump on to the first story. But actually, if I can just let the viewers know something in-house, we have an event coming up. So let me just bring that up. Um, and it is on the 1st of March. And it is with Lawrence Fox and Calvin Robinson. Uh, the first event we had was back December with Andrew Bridgen and Carl Benjamin. And this time it is with uh, Loza and Calvin. So if you're able to, if you're in London, do join us. Uh, the link is in the description. It's great to see as many of you as possible. And um, I know, Dick, you've been probably, probably involved with the the Dellingpod Live and th these events are always good to actually meet people because I think in the last three years we've we've lost a lot of that personal contact. There's nothing quite like the face-to-face -face meetings and uh, that that's partly why I set up Third Wednesday. It's like all the people you get on so well with on Twitter but in a pub environment and it really works. It's fantastic to to put a face to the the people that you've enjoyed banter with and certainly uh lawrence and calvin i count uh, uh, as friends uh, I, I admire them both immensely so yeah that that should be amazing well let's go on to the first you've asked the the big question uh i think the most important question dick and that is is your energy vegan <laughs> uh, and then you 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 give a, a couple of comments um Tell us, tell us what you thought when you, because obviously it 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 caught your thinking, and you had to post something. It wasn't just a repost; you had to put some thoughts in. Uh, let, let us know why this caught your eye. Well, first of all, it's that ghastly company Ecotricity, I believe, which goes on the premise that you can somehow pay your money to a an, an electricity provider that is going to give you pure green energy that comes from windmills and unicorn farts, presumably. And uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a ghastly company with a ghastly premise. Obviously, I'm completely against the whole eco nonsense. I think, I think the whole climate change thing is a bigger lie even than COVID. And so anything to do with this deserves all our ridicule. But the idea that your energy can be vegan, of all things. So they're trying this idea that, uh, oh, did you know that some of the energy supplies use animal waste in their, in their energy production? Which all I thought from that post was, wow, what, what, a, what a great use of what would otherwise be waste. So um, I suppose they've got their audience who think it's a fantastic idea that your energy can be vegan. But uh, for the rest of us, it's just a big joke. 
Um, obviously, it's normally it's uh, whether it's renewable or not after mm. fossil fuels. But then you look at the enormous cost because even if you were pro net zero, you still think you'd have to take a step back and think of the enormous cost that actually is going to be put on the economy. And uh, these eco-zealots, they haven't thought any of this through of how it actually punishes people. Well, they're, they're into the whole hair shirt thing, aren't they? they? They love to suffer, but they want us to suffer as well. Now, I don't mind anyone suffering for their, for their particular cause. Just don't bring me into it. I don't want to pay more for my energy just because you're, you object to having chicken poo in, your, um, in, the, in the fuels that are burned to make your electricity. And, and they're nearly always such hypocrites, you know, all flying to Davos in private jets to discuss how they're not going to let us have any energy anymore. It, the, the whole thing sucks. And uh, the more scorn and ridicule we can pour on these things, the better. Yeah, I think they can pay their uh, triple energy with their environmental windmill and we can just pay for our oil and gas and coal at normal rates. I think that's probably Absolutely. the best way forward. But sadly, we can't Only make it worse. <laughs> Let me go. The freedom to sing a song. Uh, we'll not play the, the video links in, in the description. Um, and this was a tweet. Uh, you're not allowed to sing church songs outside of church. Uh, and the comment by this person was, however, uh, should you want to blast call to prayer through a megaphone, block the streets praying, call for jihad, blah, blah. And, and it's so true. And I, I've watched uh, the video, which ends up with the, the police volunteer sticking their tongue out at the person, just pure mocking. Um, but Dick, you've, you've, as a Christian, one, that must concern you, but two, we see a, a creep and creep um, into new areas of restrictions on speech, but also on faith. Well, it, it's not so much the Christian angle of this that bothers me, although the, the, the girl that was stopped from um, singing gospel music on the street um, did happen to be Christian in this case. But this is more a case of police overreach. Now, this... Um, hapless police constable who's actually as you pointed out a volunteer a special constable so they don't get paid they're they're sometimes known as hobby bobbies uh, i don't know if they have them in the states but uh, it's kind of like a reservist now she tries to stop this 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 woman singing and she makes up this law you're not allowed to sing religious songs outside of a church. Uh, it sounds utterly ludicrous because it is ludicrous. And uh, and the girl who's just been stopped from singing is questioning this. She's, you know, she says that's not the law. She says it is. It is. You're not allowed to sing religious songs outside a church unless you've got permission from the church. Now, to cap it all, this... Um, special constable she had a kind of a russiany kind of accent she might be ukrainian or what have you but she's clearly not british born and she's making up these laws on the spot to suit herself now that's where i had the issue it is police foisting made up laws on us like there aren't enough stupid laws that actually exist uh, I, I just thought it was a terrible piece of police overreach and really quite alarming because as this story has developed, the chief constable of the Metropolitan Police, rather than um, giving her a dressing down, has apparently made a statement saying she was doing the best she could. 
Now, is that really an excuse? Is it what we're allowed to say if we're, say, caught speeding? Sorry, officer, I was doing the best I could uh, and expect to be let off. You know, the, the, the police have a role to play, but they're so often overstepping the mark. And this is a great example of that. They're doing the best they could. Just what you want in someone upholding the law. But you're right, it's massive uh, social media uh, response to this. Um, I've seen some of the videos, four or five hundred thousand, and there are uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of them. Uh, I mean, you expect your, well, not over the last three years, but let's put that aside. You expect someone in authority to say, oops, we got it wrong. And that would be understandable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. Doubling down, it makes you actually mistrust those in authority even more because you realize they'll never admit their mistakes. I mean, I was always a, a big supporter of the police in my more conservative days. I mean, we, we are all different people to the people we were three years ago. We've all, if you haven't moved on, then you haven't been paying attention. But I was always quite a conservative with a big and a, a small C. And uh, little by little, I, I, I've seen all those things that I, I respected and trusted, like, like the army, like the police, are politicians. I mean, I've got no respect for any of those organizations anymore. And the, the bit with the police, I've got a lot of friends who are police and there isn't one of them who can't wait to get out or has not now left because they've seen the police force turn into a police service. And now it's now it's just a sort of a, a woke outreach project. And uh, they're not even performing the basics of what we expect out of the police, you know, turning up to your house if you get burgled or being there if you get attacked on the street, you know, but uh, misgender someone and say something mean on Twitter, they'll be knocking at your door. And, and even worse, take it to come out that it wasn't just the, 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 the unpaid volunteer, uh, whatever you special constable, but actually there were four or five actually, can you say proper police officers there um, and they didn't seem, you know, if your colleague does something, it's, well, actually, let's just leave it alone and, and walk mm. away. And you diffuse it, you walk away because you realize um, you're onto something that isn't correct. But they actually were rounders. It wasn't just this poor special volunteer um, that was doing something wrong all by herself. It was actually a, a whole team of police. And they all seemed to um, stand by and, and accept this. Uh, I guess, striking fear in the public, which obviously we've seen the last four years. Yeah, anything that gets them out of a situation, you know, sort of make up a law on the spot. And I suppose it might work on most people, but uh, in, in the days of uh, social media and everything being filmed, uh, this managed to go viral very, very quickly. And hopefully it would, it'll make them think twice before making up laws on the spot. But I doubt it. I wonder what goes through someone in authority when they think that actually stopping someone singing a song is more important than sorting out a case of rape, um, because rape conviction is what one just over one percent. Uh, you kind of think what goes through because these in, these police officers are human beings, but what goes through your head thinking actually this is now a priority? Well, it's low hanging fruit, isn't it? It's so much easier to have a good clean up rate when you. Uh, when your crimes consist of people singing on the street, you know, I mean, that, that's an easy win, isn't it? It is. It is uh, 100% record on success there. Um, let's go over to politicians. Uh, another group that I think Dick and I were probably, were probably the same. We would have respected 
uh, back in the days and um, it's maybe taken me long, when you talk about in your conservative days, it's taken me longer and certainly during the COVID tyranny, that's what's woken me up to a lot. But it is uh, Mike Freer, who is the MP for Finchley and Golders Green Conservatives in North London, um, and he's stepping down. And it was James's post-tweet, that, and I'll just read it because... Um, uh, I can read what he says. Uh, an MP in the UK is resigning because his party is utterly fucked and pretending it's about something else. There are a couple of aspects to this story. W- what were your thoughts when you saw this MP resigning and using a number of reasons for that resignation? Well, part of the problem here is I don't do mainstream media. I don't read a newspaper. I don't watch the news. I don't watch normal TV. I have things like Netflix and I choose what I watch, but I don't get normie news. So when it comes to me, it's normally filtered through the lens of Twitter. So James's post was the first I'd actually heard of it. And I have to backtrack and look into what this story is about. But James is very good at Twitter. He's very good at uh, summing it up in a, a very simple, succinct and amusing sentence. And uh, what he's pointed out is the Tory party is toast. Um, they're going to be wiped out at the next election. Uh, whether or not people vote for the new alternative uh, right-leaning parties or not, the, the Tories are toast. And, and it's going to be a dreadful few years of an even worse, if that were possible, Labour government. But uh, it, it now seems that they're, um, they're all making their excuses to leave the party early. Uh, and I, I mean that as a metaphorical party and as a political party. So the, I, I, love, I love a well-placed GIF. So I, the GIF I put underneath James's article was of rats scurrying as their ship is flooded. So uh, that, that, that was my analogy for that one. The, the Tory party is rats leaving a sinking ship. And it's interesting because if the MP doesn't want to stand because they think they're going to be annihilated, uh, like the majority of Tories are in the upcoming election, probably months away, um, just 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 don't restand. Just you don't have to make this statement. Uh, that would be the honest thing to do, wouldn't it? Take just don't stand. Um, no, get you're expecting job. honesty out of our politicians, though. I think you, you knew the fallacy there, even as you were saying it. It, it, it ain't going to happen. No, it isn't. And, of course, the, the, his excuse was um, that he lives in an area, North London. It's a, a has been a strongly Jewish community, probably less so now, um, and is now quite Islamic. Um, and Again, the whole statement is victim. It's, I'm gay and I've had these, uh, I, I'm afraid because of Islamist groups, therefore I'm going to resign. And it's the victim card we see all the time, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it doesn't ring particularly true. I mean, I, I don't care whether he's gay or not, and I doubt if many of his constituents do. And uh, I've lived in a, uh, I lived in part of North London that was very, uh, predominantly Hasidic Jewish, which is Stamford Hill and later on uh, Stoke Newington. Now, that area also is um, very Islamic as well as Jewish. And actually, they, they, by and large, they muck along okay side by side. And there isn't all that much trouble on, on, the, on the religious front. So 
he's he, he's trying to find an issue where perhaps there is none, but he's taking that last opportunity to to do a bit of virtue signaling and and, and make it look like he he's resigning with great honor, which is the honor that will be denied him when he gets wiped out at the next election. So I think it's that last ditch attempt at, at, at standing for something. Um, let me ask just last point on it on on the elections, um, because we have seen, of course, it's it's no longer a Conservative Party. We've seen the Tory Party um, ab- abuse and misuse a massive majority. Now they're going to suffer one of the worst electoral defeats in their history, um, and then you get Labour in power. Um, what are your thoughts as you look at that? Because I'm not necessarily convinced that there is an alternative. Um, we've seen UKIP implode even more over the last few days. But what are your thoughts as you look? Because the first time in my life I'm thinking, actually, I don't even know if there's any point in voting. No, I don't think you're alone there. I think a lot of us uh, on on the awake in the awake community, if we can call it that, I mean, it's not quite libertarian. I don't even use that that word much anymore. But uh, those those of us who have a clue as to what's been going on, a lot of us were ex-Labour, a lot of us were ex-Tory, and not, none of us are going to be voting for any of those parties. But it's a case of what colour do you want the walls of your jail cell, blue or red? Now, how about thinking in terms of, well, I don't want to be in jail. So I think the only alternative is to to think outside of being governed by any of them. I mean, that they, they don't represent us. So why let them bother you? And don't even take part in their pathetic election. You know, it's fixed anyway. So it's uh, um, it, I, I'm beyond the whole you have a duty to vote. Our forefathers died so that you had the right to vote. If you showed what's going on right now to our forefathers, they'd be spinning in their graves. They, they certainly didn't fight for this. So uh, I, I, I don't think there's any dishonor in not voting for anyone right now. And I, I don't think any of the alternatives offer up a, a way out of this. Yeah, I think growing up, I, I thought we should do what Australia does and actually make it compulsory to vote. <laughs> no, actually, it's the opposite view. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I mean, there is something to be said for compulsory voting. I mean, at least you know that the, the decision is a genuine reflection of the electorate. But uh, it, it is almost a, 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 as bad as uh, as not letting anyone vote at all. But uh, it, it's a difficult one when the choices are so ghastly. Well, they are. I remember going to the last thing. I remember going the last time I voted, I can't remember when that was, and going and not knowing who was going to vote for for the first time ever, and going in and looking at that list of candidates and scratching my head thinking, actually, I don't think any of them appealed to me, standing there for a couple of minutes, and in the end, I don't even know if I voted, because I just thought, why? There's no one here who I'd actually want to actually represent me. I did a uh, an obscene drawing on my last ballot paper, and uh, I think that might be the theme going forward. Unless unless there's a half decent independent candidate, and if someone stuck their head above the parapet, they deserve my my uh, support. But in, in in the unlikely event that happens again, I will I will vote for them. But otherwise, it's going to be dick pics from now on. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Uh, I, I mean that from my own name, by the way, of course. <laughs> um, Lawrence Fox, Lawson, uh has been going through the legal system 
and uh, this is to do with name calling. I don't know whether he um, started this because of the term racism or whether he started because the term paedophile and it's been going through the courts and, um, and they have uh, rejected uh, his appeal. Um, I mean, Lawrence is a high profile figure. He's someone who speaks his mind, doesn't shy away, and that speaking your mind obviously gets him into issues, as did with GB News. Uh, what, what were your thoughts as you saw this court case? Well, I think that the, the, the crux of this one is, interestingly, the definition of the word racist. Now, the so-called left have owned the language for quite a while now. They come up with the terms they use to describe us. For instance, there is no right. There's only the far right. You never hear about the far left, but you can say, oh, I'm a bit of a lefty, and you can be, still be a lovable character. But uh, if you're right wing, you are automatically far right. So they own that. But who can even define what left and right wing is? I can. I have a definition for it. For me, the definition of right wing is... Uh, small government, low tax. Now, racist is a word that they absolutely love uh, on the liberal left because it doesn't actually have a definition. What does it mean? Ask any of these people who use that slur against you. And as Loza has pointed out, we all kind of know what it means. But if you know what it means, you should be able to define it. Now, is it someone who believes that their own race is superior to all others, which I think is as close to a dictionary definition as you'll get? Or is it someone who just hates black people, hates all other people, hates Chinese, Asians, someone who hates everyone who isn't white, for instance? And, and that's patently provable uh, nonsense, certainly in the case of someone like Loza. So they, they, there is is an interest in keeping the definition uh, abstract so you can keep using it without anyone ever ha actually having to prove that they're not the thing you're calling them. And so that the successive judges have failed to actually define this word because it is by its nature undefinable. It is, and I remember getting called it numerous times, campaigning for UKIP, knocking doors, um, and that I was and UKIP were racist because they wanted to control immigration. That, mm. that was the, uh, you're right, it's amazing what people can put on it because um, uh, the, the term is used for loving your country or wanting to control immigration. or Those are the type of things, and it is taking a word and just appropriating it whatever you want. I mean, in, in a way, everyone who ever attended an international sport match, be it rugby, football, cricket, or even the Olympics. If you're cheering on your country, you're a racist. I mean, why is your team any better than anyone else's? Just because they're British, English, whatever. It's Sometimes nationalism is positively encouraged, almost compulsory. At other times, it makes you the worst person on earth. They can't have it all ways. Not oh, completely. Because um, I'm... Um... I don't know whether you can actually win in the system. And Laza, of course, is is going through it. it it's going to be hugely costly if he does lose. Um, but I wonder whether you have to just walk away and not engage because the, the, you don't want to be in the legal system 
because it's not for you. I don't know. I assume your thoughts are along similar lines, Dick. Absolutely. I think the legal system has fallen along with education, the church, um, every institution, the police, the army. One by one, they've all fallen. The only thing the Conservatives have managed to keep is the one thing that they got to vote for. The things that you don't get to vote for, like the education system and the legal system, they've all been taken. They've all been captured. The slow march through the institutions, they call it, don't they? And so, yeah, throwing yourself at the mercy of a system that you know where the odds are stacked against you, you're on a hiding to nothing. So, you know, good on him for trying, but uh, I, I'm sure he, he didn't expect uh, a positive outcome on this because none of the rest of us did. It was, it was never going to work in his favour. Yeah, and we've seen that during the COVID tyranny, 100%. Um, let's move on to immigration, in effect, and lack of integration. Um, this is Martin Dobney from GB News. Um, every single step, every single person involved in, um, in sex offender, Abdul Azida, being granted asylum in the UK needs to face full-scale public inquiry, anything less than a total failure, a capitulation, a surrender. Um, and it's this uh, chemical attacker. Um, what, again, it comes out time and time again, but we're told, don't worry, the problem is not mass immigration, the problem is not lack of integration. Well, what is the problem? And our politicians can't seem to answer yeah, it's uh, it's another uh, another new angle on the whole vexed question of immigration, which successive Tory governments have promised to solve, but we know that they've done nothing to do so. I mean, the, the idea that the only way you can deport someone is to Rwanda. Who came up with that crazy idea in the first place anyway? It's sort of, <laughs> Sorry, we can't deport him because Rwanda won't take him. It's a, why Rwanda? Um, it, it, it It's... It's almost sort of uh, comical in its ludicrousness. So, uh, you know, can we send them back to the country they came from? Well, no, because they chucked their passport overboard when they were on the rubber dinghy on the way over here. Uh, and, and how come they came any further than France anyway, which is a completely safe country? Um, it, it's all kind of, to some degree, smoke and mirrors on this thing. And the fact that this story has been so prominent in the news should make you ask, what's the real story behind this? I mean, they're, they're, they're covering something up. Why are they talking about it so much that they are either distracting or they're up to something? So I, I certainly don't take this at face value. It, the, the, there's something more going on here. No, I agree completely. And I'm not, I know when I see a story, I don't just see the story, but my query is actually, why is the story there? Yeah, yeah. what's really and going on here? You're right, and and that changes how you look at things. You don't you don't take it as this is information, uh, but then it's difficult not to see a psyop and everything. <laughs> well, we should see a psyop and everything. I mean, I don't know if you know um, Miri AF, the blogger. Uh, my my brother's a big champion of her. She's absolutely fantastic, but she has a phrase um, for celebrities and what have you. If you know their name, they're in the game. You know, people aren't allowed to rise to prominence if they're not part of the system in some way. And it takes controlled opposition and gatekeeping to a whole new level. Um, basically, that you will only be allowed to be visible in the media if you are part of, part of the scheme. I mean, we're talking about the Russell Brands of this world and things like that. And uh, um, 
uh, trigonometry podcast, for instance. It, it does lots of these things that are way bigger than they would be under the natural order of things. And you've got to ask yourself why. So questioning everything should be something we should all be doing, even if it does make you look like a complete nutcase conspiracy freak, which I'm quite happy to wear that badge. But uh, it's just being a little bit cautious and a little bit aware. And it comes back round to meeting face to face. You know who your friends are. They're your buddies you have a drink with. They're the people you can really trust. And everyone else has to be treated with a certain amount of suspicion. Oh, completely. Um, maybe a different angle on the story, and I 100% agree with you. When you see something plastered everywhere, uh, what is everyone jumping on us? Why is this being, being put out? And this was a, a slightly different angle on it. Um, convicted sex offender who, who used Christianity to remain in the UK. Um, he was granted asylum after claiming he, he converted religion as manhunt uh, goes on. And it seems as though the the well the people in our home office they're not fools they they, they know what they're doing systematic destruction of, mm -hmm. of the country but it yeah you can claim I'm Christian that fight and then you read about actual those Christians who have fled actual persecution uh, in the in the Middle East or in Asia and yet they seem to have to prove to the nth degree that actually they are Christians. Yeah, this is uh, this this got me quite angry as well because since when has declaring yourself a christian in this country given you an easy ride it, it, christians if anything are a more persecuted minority than any of the other religions it seems to be the one religion that you can uh, lambast and mock endlessly without any repercussions uh, touch any of the other major faiths and you're in big trouble you know you have a go at the jews or the muslims oh woe betide you but, you know, you, you, you can knock a Christian endlessly. And that's good. Our faith should be strong enough to take a bit of a knock. It, it, it shouldn't be so paper thin that we can't laugh about it. But um, this guy identifying as a Christian for an easy ride, uh, either someone fooled him or we're being taken for fools to believe that that can be the case. Not completely. Tell us about you, because I saw one of your recent posts. You were up to Job, and you were going, oh, this is going to be a, a tough one. You've posted uh, kind of your Bible readings, and uh, maybe just touch on that as it, it fits with, with that topic of, of Christianity. Well, I, I, I've been working my way through the Bible, and I'm reading the King James Version, which is challenging. It's quite a hard slog. I'm not getting anyone to explain it to me as I read it, but if I come across questions, I will do a dive onto the internet. I've got vicar friends who have been helping me out. My discovering my own faith has been a fairly recent thing, as it, as it was with James. I've always been a kind of bubbling under Christian. Uh, I've never been an atheist, but it's only been in the last three years that I've really found my faith. And so it's a great journey. I'm on a journey of discovery. And I knew that Job, to some degree, had the answers to the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm. And when I hit Job, it was a case of, right, here we go. Now, in a way, as is so often the case with the Bible, it kind of gives you the answer, but it's not the answer you were expecting. I was expecting the answer to be, well, ultimately, uh, God was just testing Job. But it's kind of more complicated than that. And uh, the, 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 the real answer is that we can never be party to God's plan for us. 
it's a very complicated thing and it's not going to be answered in one easy well certainly not in a tweet so it, it, it's it's a good long interesting discussion and uh, I, I i haven't got the answer but i know the answer isn't easy but so yeah J job did deliver for me to some degree but uh, i've still got a lot more reading to do to understand it further and I, i'm always happy to to discuss these things i've got a fantastic group called thursday circle and we meet once a month in a pub now we're by and large christians who don't like what's happened to the church so we shy away from churches for fear of getting some awful woke sermon from some blue-haired female vicar in the pulpit but uh, what we do do is we meet over a pint and we discuss aspects of the bible and it feels much more natural it feels like first century christians meeting in secret to to talk about our faith and it's with people like that that, that i discuss things like the book of job and uh, it, it it's fantastically engaging you wouldn't believe that uh, a journey into your faith could be so engaging and intense but th but that's the journey i'm on and um, i'm happy to share it with it with anyone who is on the same journey and that's what makes it real uh, not necessarily going to a a church of pure listening but actually engaging and making a part of of life and understanding because i i certainly would say that um uh, when we've called into question many things over the last four years, actually, uh, faith and actually Christ is probably the only solid thing you're going to get. So find something to hold on to, which is true um, and won't disappear and will take you through it. And um, I think that the Bible is probably one of the only certainties you're going to get. Well, it keeps coming back to um, it is one of the few things that does make sense in all the madness that we've experienced for the last few years, which is why so many of us are coming to faith quite late in life in a lot of cases. I mean, I'm in my mid-50s. Uh, I'm almost embarrassed that it's taken me this long to actually find out some of the truths in life. But as I said earlier, God, God's plan for us is not something we're necessarily going to be, be party to. But um, I mean, th th there is a plan. Uh, and I think one of my callings has been to uh, to bring people together, uh, either in faith or or just as groups to um, to wake up to the dystopia that's happening. So um, it, it's just a matter of listening and paying attention and uh, meeting people, learning something from those people, maybe telling those people something yourself. There's no. There's no coincidences in life. If you bump into someone and you exchange information with them, that was meant to happen. But it's not going to happen if you stay at home and shy away from everything, which is possibly why they wanted us all locked up during the pandemic, because uh, the exchange of ideas is a very dangerous thing. 100%. I, I believe in divine encounters every time over coincidence. So 100%. Let's uh, go back on the geopolitics from Job to ge uh, geopolitics. So this is what you're posting. The idea that Russia has any kind of plan to invade the UK is laughable. And yet all they need to do is get halfway across the channel in a rubber dinghy and the Royal Navy and RNLI would do the rest because they do a taxi service across that strip of water. Um, this, it's kind of moved to Russia being the bogeyman, being the bad one at a distance to now actually, oh, Russia's about to attack us. Uh, what, what? I can see your thoughts, but it is, 
it it is taking people for fools, but I guess the government have been doing that for many years. Yeah, it's interesting. When when you you and I were growing up, the Russia was the bogeyman back then. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, I, I wanted a, a nuclear shelter at the time. I remember in my, <laughs> my pre-teens, it was like, wouldn't it be great if we could survive the inevitable nuclear war that's going to happen? Because Russia are definitely wanting to to drop bombs on us. And I don't think it was any more true then than it is now. And uh, it, it, it's it's certainly obvious to me who the enemies are. And they're never the ones who we're told they are. And uh, for those of us who, who were awake to the climate scam, who were then awake to the COVID scam, so many of them seem to have fallen at this particular hurdle, the, the Ukraine-Russia scam. And, and further still, the, the, uh, the Gaza-Israeli scam. A lot of people who were awake have fallen at these next two hurdles by not identifying the actual narrative, what we were talking about earlier. They tell you one thing. The first thing you should be saying is, what's the real story? So the idea that Russia has any intention to invade Britain, it's beyond a joke. So the idea that we're all going to be called up, uh, it should be treated with scorn. It's, it's just it beggars belief. Our, our army is in a worse state right now, possibly than it has been in history. It's got to be smaller than it has ever been in history. And they're talking about conscription. I mean, good luck with the snowflakes out there. You know, they're, 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 they'll say they want to bring their teddies and their trainers and, uh, and their iPhones. And it, it, it's, it's not going to end well. Well, let me bring up that conscription story, and it's 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 spreading like a virus. It's spread to Australia now. Australia must consider bringing back conscription as all-out war with Russia looms. I mean, what a frightening headline! Uh, again, fear porn being used for something completely different. But this is happening country by country, um, and I've been uh, I did a, a show on this. Uh, last week I think pulling together a lot of the the stories and it's copy and paste copy and paste exactly what we've seen during the COVID tyranny yeah it just goes to show that uh, it's nothing to do with the people we think are governing us it's the people above them it's it's a globalist thing and uh, there's people pulling strings way above the people we get to apparently vote for All the countries together, whether it's the EU or beyond, they're all marching in lockstep. So uh, who are they getting these things from? I mean, even the WEF is is just a clown front organization for the people really pulling the strings. I mean, I suppose ultimately we'd be talking the Rothschilds of this world and uh, and people we don't and never will know the names of. Uh, It's... It's all part of a plan that we can do very little about, but becoming aware of it is probably what we can be doing. And this is, again, why you don't want to be looking to who you get to vote for as being a way of changing anything. But uh, I think certainly turning to your Bible would be more helpful than looking to who you can turn to in uh, in your government. You know, the Bible over a, a party political manifesto every time, Dick. Uh, but, yeah, we've seen a... A this, as you mentioned, uh, the reduction in our armed capacity um, and 
I think as Brits, we look back to the Falklands as a, as a time where Britain was able to rise the nation and send her troops out and actually fight for uh, British interests. Um, now I think we've given all our weapons away to Ukraine. I don't think we have any munitions left, but it's, and all this under a so-called conservative government uh, that seems to hit our military. We've always had a strong connection, uh, I think, with the public and the military um, and that seems to have gone, and now it's it's it is laughable uh, where we are. The um, did we give it, the Ukraine any of our decent stuff, or did we just offload the out of date stuff so we can get nice big contracts for our arms manufacturers to give us replacement stuff? It's sort of uh, that that whole thing sucks as well. So it, it's kind of like I don't think they'll end up being out of pocket one way or another. But the the idea that defending our shores involves sending weapons to a war in Eastern Europe and the far reaches thereof is uh, is, is probably an amazing feat for them to to pull over the public. But they've certainly gone for it. Uh, and there was talk for a while of even sending our own troops out there. If you want to escalate things, that's a great way of doing it. Uh, you know, ending up with another Vietnam, which would be equally unwinnable. I mean, you should know that the Russians are the only people who can win this thing. And uh, the quicker they do so, the better. Not to say that I'm a mad Putin fanboy, but it's only going to end one way. And the sooner it does, the sooner the slaughter ends. And the sooner young men who are cowering in basements in the Ukraine, praying that the forces don't find them and shove them in a uniform and get them straight on the front line, that's happening all over and they are quite simply running out of young men a whole generation has been wiped out in the ukraine and they certainly deserve our sympathy but the sooner this ends with a russian victory and that's the only way it can end the better but all we're doing over here and in europe and the uk and america is prolonging a war unnaturally and uh it's it should just stop straight away yeah, the, the blood of millions and millions of lives is on, U, on, on the US and on us um, in Europe and the EU. I mean, what, 50 billion, I think, they've just approved. And it's a, a, an evil desperation for the death and killing to go on as long as it can, and as you pointed out earlier, and for companies to get lucrative military contracts. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing's sick, and I, I, I'm ashamed of my country for... for uh... A, foisting it on us, but B, for the people who believe it and have, still have little Ukraine flags in their bios. And uh, it's just blind to the... I, I used to be quite quite a hawk on, on all things to do with war. Uh, and, and now I see all wars are disgusting and unnecessary and are never fought in the name of what we're told they're fought in. E even World War II needs re-examination as far as the, the lies that we've been told about the causes and what really went on. And um, you know, we know that we've been lied to throughout history. And one of the things about waking up is not just examining what's going on now, but ha having another look at the past and finding out the lies that we've been told uh, forever. Uh, and it's a fascinating, uh, a fascinating journey to go on. But uh, wars are never what they're presented as. Yeah. Uh, and I was a full neocon growing up as well. So <laughs> you change. Uh, let's end. You, someone you mentioned earlier, Ron, and that was Russell Brand. Um, 
and I've been intrigued watching this. Uh, his uh, his his move, his popularity um, on a completely different area. Um, and I mean, you mentioned trigonometry; that's separate. But this, I have. I mean, I've uh, people have come to me and said, "Oh, can you connect me with Russell Brand?" I said, "No, I don't think you want to do that. I think you should probably hold off and watch this." from the sidelines but what were what were your thoughts because i've seen some people jump in say russell brand's a savior how dare the establishment punish him um and others who say actually he's just the old russell brand just rebranded uh, what are your thoughts on him it is a it is a difficult one i used to play this yes no game with, with james I used to have a list of names and, and you would have to, he would have to answer yes or no. And the basic premise is, that are they a, a, a good person or are they a wrong one? And uh, I think Russell Brand would come up quite a lot, but I think James is normally a no on him. Mm. It's a difficult one because on the face of it, he's bringing people to our side. But then there's that thing of the, of the gatekeeper. Yes, yep. they bring you in, but the the whole idea of a gatekeeper is they bring you on side, but let you go no further. Let's him be where he is, and lets him get away with, because he's quite useful for for bringing to a particular in there. So they're never going to fully wake up because they're they're under the Russell Brand spell, and that's kind of where I stand on the Russell Brand issue. But it, it it's it's always fascinating. And even if he is fully on our side, even if he's not um, being used by the authorities, uh, I'll not use the word controlled obviously because I think it's thrown about too much in the news, but even if he's got a part to play um, for the government, on the other side, you still have to, you should be punished for your crimes. And he promoted himself as some kind of sexual deviant, uh, some kind of pervert. And that was, that was part of his charm, his appeal, in a weird way. And now, suddenly, when the chickens come home to roost, it's, oh, no, I didn't do any of that. Well, that was your whole persona. Um, and if someone's guilty of a crime, then they should be punished for it. Yeah, but we, how much do we know about what really went on? Um, it, it's uh, it, like the Julian Assange thing. It, 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 has he been set up for the uh, the, the sexual offences? It, it's it's a very useful uh, accusation to have against someone. And does he strike you as someone who would need to rape anyone? He's always he's beating them off with a stick half the time yeah. in a in a good way if there is such a way to beat someone off with a stick but you know what i mean he, he would never have been short of willing um volunteers so to speak um and yet he had this bad boy um sexy image that certain women found irresistible so um has this been the compromat that they've got on him? Has he been set up? We'll never fully know. But you're right. If there were women who have a genuine case against him, I'd like to think it could be heard fairly, but I don't hold out too much hope for the legal system of doing that properly. But you know, we'll never know, will we? Um, no. And uh, my last thought on it is that of course, we are only allowed to see certain things and we see individuals like this through the prism of, of the media news and what they 
a lawyer to know and none of us know these people. We're, we kind of feel as though we do know them because of the crazy celebrity world, but actually you don't know them. All you know is what a newspaper columnist has written about them. Quite, and, and you pass that off as something that you've learned yourself or you've done a deep dive yourself on the internet and again, you're just finding the stuff that's on the first two pages of Google. You're never going to go so deep as to find the stuff that they don't want you to know. So uh, it, it, it's back to this suspect everyone and don't believe uh, anything of what you see. So um, I, I, I reserve judgment to a certain degree on, on the Russell Brand thing. I think by and large, um, keep him at arm's length. But uh, as you say, whether he is controlled opposition, gatekeeper or not, it, there's, um, there's more to it than meets the eye. Yeah, I think I prefer a gatekeeper. That is, that is a, a, a good term. Dick, I, I really appreciate you coming along. It's always good having a, a, a new guest. Thank you so much for coming along and giving us your thoughts on those many news stories today. Thank you very much for having me. Not at all. Just leave the viewers just with one. I think you'd, I think you'd uh, retweeted this, uh, which is so true. The top, when your football team loses, uh, that anger, uh, that passion... And then the bottom sheep, as you mentioned, sheep. The government destroys your business, family and health. Um, and it's, I think, a lot of us in the media are about trying to wake up the bottom half of the sheep so they actually realise what's happening. Um, yeah, but it's a, I, I love when memes tell you a story and you think, yep, that's it. And that was it, one they, of the They days. nail it in, in one screen grab and... Uh, you don't need the extended facilities in Twitter to do that properly. If you can choose your words well, or even better, have one good picture, you, you've nailed it and won. It is perfect. Um, Dick, again, people can find you. Uh, there is your Twitter handle. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. Thanks. Goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.